to Red Bill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. At the time of this recording, we are in a most serious time of the year. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. And you're right, Dad. We have just finished commemorating Yom Teruah, and we are now preparing for Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It's a very solemn and serious time and considered the most holy of God's annual appointments. If you have questions about this most holy time, or if you want to share about how you observed Yom Teruah, email us at redpiltorah at gmail.com. Add comments on redpiltorah.podbean.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter. In our last podcast, we shared with you what we've learned about Yom Teruah. It is a wake-up call with the sounding of the shofar. The teruah, or loud sound, begins the 10-day period known as the Days of Awe. These days are a time of introspection and repentance, and they lead up to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. In today's podcast, we'll discuss what Yom Kippur is about, what it means for believers, and how we should commemorate it. Like Yom Teruah, there is a prophetic aspect to Yom Kippur, which we will touch on as well. So, Daddy, what is Yom Kippur? Well, Mama, there are two scriptures in Leviticus that will get us off to a good start. Leviticus 23, starting at verse 27. The Lord said that on the tenth day of the seventh month, there will be a day of atonement. It will be a holy convocation or gathering, and you will afflict your souls and offer a burnt offering to the Lord. You'll do no work on that day because it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before God. In Leviticus chapter 16, verses 1 through 31, God told Moses that Aaron could not come into God's holy place any old time or else Aaron would die. In fact, in order to come before God into the Holy of Holies, it must be at his prescribed month and day, the seventh month, the tenth day. And Aaron would have to do a sin offering for himself and his family to atone for his sin. That offering had to be a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He would have to dress himself in white linen and be fresh and clean before he got dressed. After he completed his offering, he would have to take two twin young goats for a sin offering um, for the congregation of Israel. Using a lot casting system, he determined which of the goat was for the Lord and which was for the people. The Lord's goat was offered for the sin offering, and its blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant and used to cover the sins of the whole congregation. The one for the people was presented alive to make an atonement with God. Over the live goat, or the scapegoat, the iniquities, sins, and transgressions of the children of Israel were confessed, and then the goat was released into the wilderness, symbolically taking their sins away from the camp. All of this was done once a year. It had to be done exactly the way God instructed. In addition to having all of Israel follow his instructions to observe this day, to observe the Sabbath, to afflict their souls, and to offer a burnt offering. Now these scriptures cover a lot of information. Let's try to break it down together. Okay. First, let's cover the definitions. If you remember our last podcast, you know that Yom means day in Hebrew. The word Kippur is often translated as atonement, you know, reparations given for doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. The word Kippur actually means to cover. 
I think of Yom Kippur as God's way of allowing Israel's sins to be covered over. In His great mercy, He allowed Israel to make things right with Him by following His Yom Kippur instructions so they could have their sins covered over. Only God could offer that deal Mm. because their sins were definitely offensive to Him. And the people who commit the offense have to pay to make things right. Mm -hmm. God, in His infinite wisdom, wanted His people to understand that their sins needed to be atoned for. This was something that I, as a believer, didn't know other than that Jesus paid the price for my sins. Back then, sin was, and still is, expensive. Today, if we do something to offend someone, we say, oh, my bad, or give a really lame apology like, oh, I'm sorry if I offended you, but we know we really offended the person. Mm-hmm. When it comes to sin, however, Lip service does not cut it with God. Sin creates a debt, a huge bill to pay. And the problem is, Dad, we don't have anything of value to offer God as compensation for our sins. So true, Mama. You know, since we began studying the Torah, we learned that God can actually hold a group of people accountable for the sin committed by one member of the group. Remember the example of Akan in Joshua chapter uh, 7. Mm-hmm. Verse 1 in the King James Version of the Bible says, But the children of Israel sinned in the accursed thing. For Achan took the accursed thing, and God became angry with all of Israel. As we know, God instructed Israel to, 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 to destroy the spoils of war that they might find in Ai. In verse 11, God told Joshua that Israel had sinned. He blamed the nation for what one man had done. 36 Israelite soldiers died in that battle, and none of them was actually guilty of taking God's banned property. Wow. Just from reading that small passage, it's easy to see that being right or in good standing with God as a people is separate and distinct from being right with God individually. Mm -hmm. Both are important to him, but the Yom Kippur service was about the nation of Israel and their sins as a nation. It was and is important enough to our Heavenly Father that he said this was supposed to be an everlasting statue throughout all your generations. So the bull and ram were for the sins of the high priest and his family. Mm -hmm. Before he could deal with the sacrifice for the nation, he had to have his own sins covered. When he was in good standing with God, he could proceed with the twin goats. Both goats are a picture of atonement. One goat was killed and offered as an atoning burnt offering. The other priest, or the other goat, uh, the priest laid his hands on that goat's head and confessed the sins of the nation of Israel. The high priest's confession transferred the sins onto the goat, which was taken into the wilderness by a chosen man. Miss, I kind of get the general picture that Yom Kippur has something to do with the Messiah. Can you make the connection? Sure, Daddy. Leviticus chapter 16 and 17 have part of the connection. Chapter 16 tells us that the high priest was to kill the goat, the sin offering for the people, and bring its blood into the most holy place and do with it what he did with the bull's blood, which was sprinkle it on and in front of the ark covering, known as the mercy seat. Doing this will make atonement for the holy place because of the people's sins and transgressions. In chapter 17, 
God tells Moses that the blood serves as an atonement for the people because of the life that was sacrificed to get the blood. The connection to the Messiah comes in around uh, Hebrews 9 and 10. Chapter 9 says, If sprinkling the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer make an unclean person clean, how much more will the blood of the Messiah who offered himself a sinless sacrifice to God purify our consciences from works that lead to death so we can serve the living God? Mm-hmm. Chapter 10 says that Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sin, sat down on the right hand of God. By one sacrifice, he perfected forever those who are being made holy. You know, Jesus is like a, a fine cut diamond with many sparkling facets. I like diamonds. I know you do. Each facet is like a different aspect of his ministry. That's how he can be seen um, in the high priest and in the sacrificed animals and more, all at the same time. Mm. He took our sins away from us like the live goat, while the sacrifice of his blood can be seen in the slaughtered goat. I get it. No metaphor is enough to reflect all that he's done. So it is cool to see so many beautiful pictures of the same Messiah work together to tell his story. Many experts on Bible prophecy look ahead to the fulfillment of Yom Kippur on what is known as the Day of the Lord. Mm, That's right, Mama. You know, the prophet Zephaniah wrote a lot about the Day of the Lord. Uh, Listeners, search your Bible for the many mentions of the Day of the Lord, especially in uh, the book of Zephaniah. It will be the day when the Messiah will do away with man's institutions, and he will set up his righteous kingdom on earth. Amen. Second Peter 3, verse 10 says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Then the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with extreme heat. On the day of the Lord, every man will be humbled, either of his own volition or by the Messiah's wrath. On that day, he will bring perfect justice to the earth. That will truly be a day of awe. Wow. Daddy, you're not kidding. I guess goosebumps just thinking about it. It's big. The joy in knowing that he loved humanity so much that he gave his only son to pay for our sins and the gravity of knowing that to take it lightly or to reject such a great gift will lead to unimaginable doom. It's no wonder God wants his people to remember this time as a solemn time of gathering, a time to afflict our souls, a time to offer an offering and observe a Sabbath. So how do most people observe Yom Kippur, you may ask? Well, you definitely do not go to work. You don't do any kind of work. It's a time of serious repentance. During this time of introspection, most people fast from food, water, and anything recreational or that brings them pleasure. It's not like you're trying to earn your salvation, but instead it's an act of obedience because you appreciate all that Jesus has done for you. Imagine you're standing before your maker and giving an account of what you've done with the great salvation he's afforded you. Have you thought about that for a moment? Well. He wants us to think about it for a whole day. And doing it will definitely make you feel grateful. You know, most Jewish people probably don't go to services every Shabbat. But I can think of uh, not one that I've met who doesn't try to go on Yom Kippur. 
In those services, the liturgy has a consistent theme of repentance. Miss and I would like to read an excerpt from some of the liturgy used in Yom Kippur services. For the sin we committed in your sight without intention, and for the sin we committed against you by idle talk. For the sin we committed in your sight by oppressing others, and for the sin we committed by contempt for parents or teachers. For the sin we committed in your sight by lewd association, and for the sin we committed against you by insincere confession. For the sin we committed against you by violence, and for the sin we committed against you by defaming your name. Forgive, Forgive us all sins, O God of forgiveness, and, and cleanse us. For the sin we committed in your sight by fraud and deception, and for the sin we committed against you by bribery. For the sin we committed in your sight by our manner of speech, and for the sin we committed against you by wanton glances. For the sin we committed in your sight by arrogance, and for the sin we committed against you by scornful defiance. For the sin we committed in your sight by swearing falsely, and for the sin we committed by groundless hatred. For the sin we committed in your sight by shirking responsibility, and for the sin we committed against you in passing judgment. Forgive, Forgive us all sins, O God, God of forgiveness, and cleanse us. In a Yom Kippur service, it sounds like a lot of repenting is going on. Yeah. For me, it has been very sincere and heartfelt. This time of year is a good time to consider the question, what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs are not in line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and keep doing what you're doing? Or worse yet, would you go to a Yom Kippur service and read the prayers at the service with no intention of repenting? Or would you take the red pill and repent before the Holy God of Heaven? Only you can answer that question. I suggest that you do answer it at a Yom Kippur service. Check the calendar for Yom Kippur and find a place to go to join with other believers if you can. If not, stand before Him where you are in spirit, there will be a great cloud of witnesses all around you, giving glory to the Father. Mm -hmm. Remember to repent for the sins of your people, not just your own sins. Cry out for your people, whoever they are. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Please go back and read over the scriptures we've shared. In our next podcast, we'll discuss the third of the fall holy days, Sukkot. Thanks for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Torah, where you can handle the truth. truth.